Thank you for joining us today on Positively Charged Biz. We are here to motivate, inspire, and support our listeners as they write their life stories. We are a proud founding member of the Real Disrupt Podcast Collaborative, and you can check out more awesome podcasts at realdisrupt.com. Good day, everyone, and I hope you are having a positive and productive day. Today, we have a very special guest that is going to show you why and how you should trust yourself to live bravely. I would like to introduce you all to Margie Worrell, drawing from her background in business, psychology, and coaching, along with her diverse personal experiences. She is passionate about having people live bigger and braver lives. She is a best-selling author that encourages us all to take that courage and leap of faith. Okay, some of the things that she has done. Get a load of this. We have lots of best-selling books. You got this. Train the brave. Mark your mark. Stop playing safe and find your courage and her love brave podcast will reflect her belief in the potential that every person can overcome their fears and false beliefs that sometimes hold them back from achieving the extraordinary. Margie walks her talk when it comes to living bravely. She's ventured out of her comfort zone countless times, including the fact that she grew up one of seven children in a small dairy farm in rural Australia. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, and we are so excited to hear all of your insights. And on the Positively Charged Biz podcast, we like to start at the beginning. So please take us back to when you first thought about writing that very first book. What inspired you to do that? Tell us that pivotal moment. Uh, well, I was living just in a place called Capel, Texas, just outside Dallas, and uh, I had four children under the age of seven, Ooh. and I had moved to the United States. Just uh, I moved in weeks, the weeks after nine eleven, a couple of years oh. earlier, and I had. But prior to that, I had lived and travelled extensively around the world, and wherever I travelled, time and time again, I met people who who weren't living the lives they really wanted to be living. And one of the biggest factors was their fear, their fear of failing, fear of rejection, fear of being exposed as not enough, um, fear of change, was standing in the way of them taking the actions that would enable them to live more rewarding lives. And while I did have four young children um, and I had, had, in my own head, I had a story, well, you know, how can I have time to do this? You know, I'm so busy. But I, I had, I'd been, I'd started a coaching business two years earlier and a few people had said to me, you know, Margie, you, what you write in your newsletters, I have a Live Bravely newsletter that I've been sending out now for 17, 18 years. They said, is really helpful. Why don't you write a book? And a little voice in the back of my head, Laura, said, who are you to write a book? I didn't get a great education. I didn't see myself as a literary genius. But but I, I just decided one day I will be on my deathbed. I'm going to look back on my life and I'm going to ask myself, you know, did I live the biggest, bravest life that I had it within me to live? 
And I didn't want to go, no, I was too scared to try and write a book because I was scared I wouldn't be good enough and wouldn't be up for the task. And so I didn't have a title for that book at the time, but that book ultimately became Find Your Courage. Hmm. And it uh, is a book about helping people find their courage to overcome the doubts and fears that hold them back, to forge, you know, meaningful careers, um, to make changes and take chances. And and it's now in seven languages. I'm so glad I took that leap of faith myself and found my courage. But it really was driven from a lot. One, I wanted to do it, but it was I didn't want to look back and regret that I hadn't had the courage to at least try. I love that story. Love that. Okay, so what do you think you had touched on a few things that hold people back? from actually taking that leap of faith or having that courage. So what are some of the things that you communicate to people? And and let, let me also ask another question with that. Do you find that people have to be in the right frame of mind to be accepting to what you are actually telling them when it's time for them to have the courage? Yeah, you bet. I mean, just because you can, you was you can lead a camel to water, you can't make a drink. Um, that's the right word metaphor, anyway. But I uh, absolutely, and there are many people who are very attached to their stories and their beliefs, and get a payoff for sticking with their their mental maps of the world, and their excuses, and their justifications, and their rationalizations, and so. Unless people are willing to say, hey, what I'm getting from sticking to the story and my current decisions and behaviours isn't worth what I'm getting from it. And so and so people have to be receptive to the ideas. And sometimes people have to be feeling quite a bit of pain before they go, you know, maybe I do need to take a really long, hard look in the mirror and inside myself at what I'm doing that's actually perpetuating the problems that I complain about. You know that what, what's the role I have to? I have been playing in these things, these out parts of my life that aren't working for me, and so people absolutely need to be um, receptive and in that state. Right. And I, I know that I, even myself sometimes I'll be going along because this is I'm doing what I'm doing because this is what I've done for a long time. And then every now and again, something will come up and go, you know, Maggie, it's not working. It might have been working 10 years ago or 20 years ago, but it's not working now. And wh- where am I making excuses? So we, we can all fall into that trap. But but at the heart of of my work, and now I obviously have been doing this for, for nearly 20 years and working with around the world and with companies around the world and with amazing people around the world, you know, what I have learned at the heart of when it comes to being more courageous is our willingness to embrace the emotional discomfort and to to move into a place where we have a, we can feel really vulnerable to the very things that we're afraid of, to, to not being enough, to being rejected, to being pushed out, to having the disapproval of people who would, would, would really like to approve of us. And unless we're willing to really move into that uncomfortable place, and it is uncomfortable, then we're going to stick with what we've been doing before, even if it's not working for us. And so that's that's what at the heart of courage is that willingness to take that risk and to embrace that discomfort and to trade the safety and familiarity of what we have now for something that will actually light us up even more. 
And, uh, and you know, sometimes some people are, are more ready to do that than others. And, of course, this, is, this can be relevant in any area of our life. It can be in our jobs. It can be in our marriages. It can be in our health and well-being and the way we, we you know, what we eat and whether we move our body and, 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 and what we prioritise in our daily lives, how we manage our money. Um, and so I always say to people, you know, if, if everything's working for you and you are 100% content with your life, and you feel joy and gratitude and connection and contentment, then, hey, keep doing what you're doing. But if you find yourself suffering, like you're complaining or you're resentful or you're in blame or you're feeling disconnected from people around you or not good in yourself physically, well, then maybe it's worthwhile just considering that it's that there's something that you're doing or you're holding on to that, that's actually getting in the way of you feeling more joy and contentment and fulfillment and connection in your life. Absolutely. And you you touched on a whole bunch of things there, but a few things were running through my brain as you were as you were speaking. One thing when you mentioned, you know, whenever you have a conversation, people automatically jump to your business career and maybe your family, right? So maybe your relationships at and your family life. But you're correct. There's so many more, and if, even if we want to refer them as buckets, right? There's so many other buckets that need to remain filled, right, to have a completely fulfilled life. So you're correct, although, sure, you could have the career that you've always dreamed of, you could have that happy marriage, the kids, everything's great, but maybe there's some other things, like you said, maybe you want to get healthy. You know, maybe you want to get into an exercise program just to feel good, not even about so much weight, more just to feel good. So you're right. It's kind of the balance of all of those things, not just the instant of career and relationship. So that's great. Love that point. The second thing is, as you're speaking about discomfort, right, and sometimes having to make that decision, we all know in the year 2020, there has been more change and more having to adapt to a different situation in all of our lives, regardless of who we are. What have you seen this year with so much change happening for people? Ah, yes. Well, it has been a mightily um, challenging year for many people. We've been jolted outside our comfort zone. Whether we wanted to be outside or not, many of us have just been jolted there. And I am one of those many people with so much change and so much disruption personally and professionally. Um, and I think it's, it's we all have, um, you know, there's a, there's a term used in psychology. We live in an assumptive world of this is the way the world works. This is the way the world should be. This is what I can expect. This is what happens. And, and a lot of us, our assumptive worlds did not incorporate a pandemic that, um, or other, the social upheaval, I mean, the, 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 the financial upheaval, so many things have been turned on their head. So many things we thought were the way it was, you know, your kids will graduate and you'll go to their graduation. My son graduated high school, didn't have a graduation. It was in our lounge room via a Zoom call. Um, things like that where you're like, well, this isn't how it's supposed to be. And so I think for many of us, our mental maps about how the world's supposed to be have been tipped, tipped, tipped off their axis, if not totally on their head. And that's pretty confronting for us. And so at times like this, we, we need to zoom up higher, look at our lives through a larger lens. And actually, instead of being attached to the way we think things should be, just to sometimes surrender our resistance 
to this is how it is. It shouldn't be this way. It is how it is. And the growth that that requires of us when we can't move move along kind of with all of the same assumptions we usually do actually challenges us to ground ourselves more deeply in deeper values and to to really decide who it is we want to be regardless of the circumstances of our lives. So we say ships don't sink because of the water around them. They sink because of the water that gets in them. And it's easy for all the, all the negativity to get inside of us, the fear, the anxiety, the blame, um, anger, sadness, all of that can consume us. And so we have to be really deliberate at times like this in how, in, in the values we want to live by, in the person we want to be, but also letting go our attachment to how we think things should be and looking very deliberately at controlling the controllables and making the best of how things are. Right. My own husband got COVID and was in a uh, in hospital in a quarantine for 30 days and he said he spent a lot of time just thinking and, uh, and he said, you know, we've got to live the life, we, life, life we've got, not the life we want. And I know even for myself right now, I'm not doing a lot of the work I would usually be doing. My income's been... Yeah. Um, reduced significantly. Um, I actually living outside of the US. I'm here right now, but travel restrictions have meant I haven't seen my children for months on end and go, all right, well, a lot of things aren't the way I'd like them to be. How can I make the very best of how things are so that when I look back on this time, I will be proud of myself for how I showed up amidst the storm. And, and I think for many people, it's been a very challenging time that's really rocked their worlds um, yet we don't grow when we're comfortable. And as I learned growing up on a, my parents' small dairy farm in rural Australia, growth and comfort can't ride the same horse. And so in the midst of this turbulent time, when most of us are uncomfortable in some aspect of our lives and uncertainty is innately uncomfortable, I think we need to look at where is there opportunities for me to grow um, into maybe a fuller version of the person I have it in with, within me to be, a person I wouldn't have become had I not had to deal with what I'm dealing with right now. I think that's what lays at the heart of really living a truly meaningful life is that we're constantly, we're, we're embracing our challenges as opportunities to expand and to grow and to become more of, unlock really the potential that lives within us that often lies pretty dormant. Right. So how do you ignite that potential? How do you become brave and bold when, when you know, every, like you said, everyone has it. Everyone has greatness inside of them. Every Absolutely. single one of we us. We all do. And as, as William James said, most of us live in a very restricted circle of our full potential. Right. So, you know, in my latest book, You've Got This, which came out ironically, the week my husband went into hospital with wow. COVID, I was supposed to be kicking off a, a speaking tour across the United States. Instead, I was in lockdown and uh, everything had been cancelled and I had to literally look at my book title and go, you've got this, you've got this. You know, I'm, you I'm needed it. Out. You needed to see that. That's right. Uh, yeah. You got this. As I, I said, I wrote the book I wanted to read. I had obviously no idea it would come out in the midst of, of literally the wheels falling off the world. So it felt at the time. Um, and so one of the things that I wrote about in there that's been profoundly um, 
important for me and foundational for me for many years, but particularly at times like this, is being very grounded in self-certainty when everything around us is uncertain. Having rituals and practices, mm. those, those sometimes small things we do, they might only take 20 minutes in the morning, sometimes just taking a, a few moments throughout the day to take what I call a sacred pause and reconnect to ourselves, to that part of ourselves that, to quote Albert Camus, the invincible summer within us. And, and I think the more we are grounded to that part of who we are that isn't buffeted by the winds, to that quiet, still place, the more it helps us to step up and deal with the challenges in a, in, with more grace and more grit and more courage and, and self-compassion. Um, and from a leader, I do a lot of work in the leadership space and I say, you know, we cannot lead others if we're not leading ourselves and we need it to be really anchored in, in calm and, and optimism. Um, so the small little, those little daily practices, those, those habits, and if you think about what, who are you when you're at your best, you know, the four dimensions physically, you know, we have energy and stamina, we have health and strong immune system, you know, emotionally, we feel connected to other people, we're grateful, we're playful, we're confident. Mentally, we're focused, but we're also agile. And spiritually, you know, we're connected to something greater than ourselves. So who are you when you're at your best? You know, I would just ask, what is it that you can do that will make you feel that way more often? And for me, that's starting my day, you know, reading something that really connects to, to my core values and that lifts me spiritually, that it's moving my body, it's looking at what my core priorities are today, like what are the highest value-add activities? Um, it's staying connected to people around me. And so, so making sure you, you prioritise those things that empower you and allow you to bring your best and bravest self to your challenges. And, and for some people that's yoga and for some people it's, um, you know, it's, it's playing the guitar. My, right. daughter's, my daughter's learned how to play the ukulele during um, this COVID pandemic and she said she just sits there for hours just sitting there Drum, it's drumming song. She said it's just been so renewing for her and recharging. So find what it is that helps to renew and re recharge you. And I think we have to do that even more often, those times when we're feeling extra burdened. Absolutely. And, and it has been so unique, you know, um, things that people would be able to get a release doing, maybe they can't do those particular things now, right? So maybe they have to retool and they have to rethink and, and they have to change that. But I, I can tell you that I guess the longer this is going on, um, especially in my industry, in my industry, I'm in the mortgage industry and our industry is actually very busy. And the reason why that is, is the interest rates are very low right now. So we're dealing, it's kind of very strange because in our industry, we are busier than ever. So we're kind of um, almost feeling this guilt that our industry is booming where many other people have been so negatively affected. So on our side of things, what's happening is you're experiencing burnout. You literally, since the middle of March, you have people that now are no longer working in an office, a lot of people, they're working from home. And because they're working from home and their entire schedules have changed, they're not driving the kids to soccer practice anymore. They're not going out to dinner with friends. They're not leaving. So what's happening is people are sitting in their homes for 16, 17, 18 hours a day just working. 
just nonstop working because, well, what else is there to do? Okay, I'm home. I don't have to travel anywhere. I'm just going to work. But even that is not healthy because this this burnout stage that's now here we are six months have gone by almost of this type of pace so what's your recommendations in that because that's a little different than that actually that actually falls in 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 my my model under the the mental side of things obviously impacts every aspect of our lives but we have lost our normal routines And we, we no longer kind of get up and we do what we do and then we get in the car and we have 30 minutes before we get to work to think or listen to music or talk to our right. mother or whatever. And so we have to actually be very deliberate in building routines in and building in boundaries as well. So when it hits 5.30 or 6 o'clock or whatever, you know, turn your computer off. Go and change out of your right. whatever your clothes you made of if you're wearing professional clothes into something that's more casual and, and like signal yourself consciously and unconsciously. I'm changing gears now. Right. I'm moving into my nighttime downtime or and maybe you'll get back online later on in the evening for an hour and a half. Great. But then unplug again. Make sure you've got, you know, so putting and obviously what works the different things work for different people but being very deliberate to build routine and build boundaries and even signals to yourself and to others no this is my work time this is my downtime as we know from the research that you know we cannot be fully engaged all the time right and actually we are far more effective when we take time to disengage and I think one of the uh, traps of zoom is that we can go oh I had 10 meetings today and we have this efficiency at the expense of effectiveness. And so I talked earlier about what are the rocks you need to put into your day? How do we discern the highest value activities, the vital few from the trivial many? And it's easy to get pulled into the, you know, like drinking from a fire hydrant, keeping up with email, keeping up with all the different sources of information and communication. Um, and so we have to put some structure in for ourselves. And I would just say, you know, sit down with a blank piece of paper and go, okay, if I was going to have my ideal week, given what I've got on, you know, what are the things I need to do for me to stay sane, to recharge, to renew, to make sure my body's moving? Um, what are the things that, that feed me? And then put those things into your schedule and then look at, okay, what is it that needs to get put around it? And of course, we never have time in the day, or well, most of us, particularly really busy people, to do everything. But we always have time to do the things that matter the most. Right. And not everything matters equally. And so look at, well, what's the consequences if I don't do that and I don't do that? And that Pareto principle, you know, what are the highest value activities that will generate the most impact for you in the longer term? And where can you outsource something else or delegate it? Where can you just say, no, I don't have time for it? Where can you, you know, put it aside for next year? And I think just being very intentional and deliberate and disciplined. Now is a time for discipline too in how you're managing your time and your commitments. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have the privilege of being the chair of a women's group in the mortgage industry. So women lifting up women and supporting women and empowering women for greatness is very near and dear to me. So I certainly want to hear from you. I know you work with lots of leaders and different organizations as well as, you know, how to live a brave life here and bold life. So tell me, 
You know, give us some advice from the women's standpoint, because, you know, you see it all, right? We've seen it all. We've seen the imposter syndrome. We've seen the negative self-talk. We've seen the um, why it's important to have a tribe and a network of women that can support you and, and all of that. So please share your thoughts on kind of a whole variety of those things, ways we can support other women, ways that we can help other women and, and what we need to do ourselves, you know, to cut ourselves a break sometimes. So please yeah. share your thoughts. Well, let's face it. We women have, have over history, taken on the lion's share of caretaker responsibilities. And, you know, we're, we're wired to take care of people. Um, and in the midst of this pandemic, and then we're, we're trying to homeschool kids and deal with everything, a disproportionate burden has often fallen on women, even though a woman and her husband may be both working from home, that still women are still carrying a disproportionate um, caretaker load. So I think we have to be, one, is just being mindful. If you're feeling resentful about anything, I always say resentment is a sign of a conversation that needs to occur that hasn't occurred, of a request maybe that needs to be made that hasn't been made. So just ask yourself, you know, where do I need to make sure I'm I'm letting other people know about the support that I need or what it is that they can do for me? Because it's very easy for everybody else's priorities to become out our priorities right. and push our priorities to the side. So, so just be really deliberate in making sure you're getting the support you need and that you're prioritizing what you need for yourself um, versus everyone else's priorities being, you know, taking over your schedule. Secondly, yes, you know, you mentioned the imposter syndrome. Um, having worked with many women over the years, and I've been I've been running Live Brave Women's Weekends for the last five years, and where I go away with groups of fabulous women and get them to look at, you know, where am I not living the highest, bravest vision for my life? And time and time again, you know, I have found that women, we doubt ourselves too much and we back ourselves too little and we sell ourselves too short. And sometimes we settle for less than we could. And when we do that, we don't only just shortchange ourselves, we actually shortchange everyone around us including the people we love the most. You know, we think it's the right thing to do to give up our own wants, needs, desires for our children or our partner, but actually in the longer term, it's not serving them. Um, so I think it's just very important to look at where you are letting self-doubt, as I as I wrote in You've Got This, the chapter, Doubt Your Doubts, where you're letting your doubt sit in the driver's seat and keep you from taking the actions, having the conversations or pursuing the aspirations that would you need to do in order to be really truthful to yourself. So so doubt your doubts and dare to defy your doubts. You know, back Beyonce once said, she said, I'm not one to gamble, but if I'm going to make a bet, I'll bet on myself. A hundred percent. I think we need to bet on ourselves more often. And I also think we need to practice more often saying no to the good to create space for the great. Hmm. Um setting boundaries and we right. cannot be taking care of everybody else while also taking care of ourselves. And often we don't like to set boundaries because we hate to disappoint people. We hate to let people down. We don't want people to think we're not a team player, that they can't count on us. I know that myself, you know, as one of seven, I'm like, I'm all about being a team player, but sometimes we need to say no to invitations, to opportunities, um, to good things, the perfectly good things to good people in order to say yes to even better things. Right. 
And, and, and sometimes women, we can find that hard, but I think we have to get really present to, well, what's the price we're paying when we don't do that? And often underneath it all is fear and, and having the courage to very graciously but firmly say, thank you so much, but no, thank you. Or no, I, I'm not able to do that right now. But um, I, I love the way you positioned it. You're saying no to the good because you're saying yes to the great. So it's not, it's, you know, looking at it from that perspective, I love that. That is a wonderful way to approach it because then you shouldn't have guilt. You shouldn't feel bad about that because you're saying yes to the great. So I love yeah, that. And- and 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 we and, and one of the big things is as women we like to take care of relationships. Yep. You know, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want to let you down. Um, and you know, we can say no to the request without saying no to the person. Yep. So thank you so much for asking me to do this. Or no, no, I'm not able to do it right now. I actually have a ton of other commitments on my plate, and I just I would do you a disservice if I said yes to this, or I would do all of my commitments a disservice if I said yes to this. So, and, you know, sometimes we can leave open, you know, but can we circle back in the new year? Or can we circle back, you know, after the kids go back to school or whatever, but we can um, sometimes defer it or say, well, I can't do all of it, but I can do this better. I can put you onto someone else who will be able to help you. Um, So there's ways we can still take care of people in the relationship without saying yes to what it is they'd like us to say yes to. Love it. Love it. And what about the value of the tribe? You know, having a great core group of of ladies that lift you up. Yeah. Look, it's so important to surround ourselves with people that lift us up. And particularly in times like this, when there can be a lot of things taking our energy away. Um, So I always say take responsibility for the energy that you let in and and take 100% responsibility for the energy you let out find your people, love them hard, but also love yourself enough to set boundaries on those who aren't, aren't serving you. Maybe, maybe another time you could, you've got capacity for some people, but right now you may not have capacity for certain people. And I think sometimes women can get pulled into and stay in relationships for the wrong reasons. Oh, well, we've known each other forever. Well, we raised kids together. We went to high school together and it's, and we have these, and that's not to say that that's not a good reason to stay in a relationship, but if someone's pulling you down all the time, they're constantly chipping away at you, they're constantly feeding your doubt or making you feel less than or or maybe they just don't want to celebrate you because they've got stuff going on for themselves and they don't want to celebrate you. Um, you know, ask yourself, is this person really serving me right now or do I need to just kind of fill my calendar up more with those people who are lifting me up and, and serving me? And it's not always, it's not about necessarily blocking, cutting someone out. It is just filling our calendar and our time up with the people who lift us up. And I know myself, you know, I, I have a rule. If, if someone's not bringing out my best and lifting me higher, then, okay, sometimes it's like this is I'm doing this because it's my give back or it's my charity or something. That's why I'm, I'm going to spend some time with this person. I know that they're in a tough spot. But otherwise, you know, unless we are really intentionally, you know, emotions are contagious. And unless we're staying with people who are spreading positive emotional contagion, then it can really limit um, what we see as possible for ourselves because, you know, we are the people we hang out with. And um, often we can become a little bit too confined in, in our circle. Yes. And, you know, you, as you were speaking, I was thinking to myself, and sometimes I've seen women hesitate in being bold and brave 
because they're surrounded by people that are kind of questioning them or or in a way not encouraging them, right? They're not encouraging them to move forward. So they kind of take a step back and say, well, maybe I'm being too bold. So what do you do? The, The people that we hang out with impact how we see the world. Yep. So if you are the biggest thinking person in your social circle, if you're the one that's always thinking about things you'd love to do and, and everyone else is really content with their more, exactly yep. what they've got now, you know, they're happy just to do exactly what they're doing and they're not interested in learning more, exploring more, trying new things, um, then you need to ask yourself if that group of people are really serving you, if you as you look at your whole life through the whole march of time. And... Having worked with a lot of women over the years, I know that there's a lot of women I meet who are held back because of their fear of disapproval from the women in their social circles and they're afraid of breaking away and and it takes courage to break away. And so I say, you know, be just decide I'm gonna I'm gonna just be very proactive in going out and trying to cultivate new friendships with people who are up to stuff. I've always kind of said, I love hanging out with people who are up to stuff. I don't care what they're up to. <laughs> Whatever. They're Whatever they're up to, a, I'm in. <laughs> a financial advisory business or if they just up to stuff because they make jewelry and they want to yeah. kind of get it into Nordstrom. I don't care what they're up to. I just love that they're up to stuff. Action. They're taking action, right? And and those people inspire me to get up to stuff. Yeah. I remember when I first wanted to, um, write, to run my first Women's Live Brave weekend and I shared with a friend and I said, oh, you know, I really love to have 15 or 20 women. And she said, well, how many would could you manage? I'm like, oh, I could manage hundreds. She goes, well, aim for that. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I just get challenging you to, to not think small. Um, and I think surround yourself with people who challenge your ambitions and aspirations and and hold you to account and 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 absolutely make you think bigger about what's possible for you versus smaller and recognizing that when people do say oh why would you want to do that which I've I've had believe me I grew up in rural Australia (laughs) you know being ambitious or aspiring to big things was seen as being arrogant or conceited or and um And often when people don't celebrate our aspirations or achievements, it's not about us. It's about how what we're doing makes them feel about what they're not doing. Absolutely. And about where they're letting their fear run the show. And so they would rather us play small because that makes them feel way better. It affirms their choices. And so just being mindful, often envy, jealousy, um, um, a lack of their own courage and where their own fears are ruling are actually behind sometimes their lack of um, encouragement or their active, those little de- those little derisive remarks that are like, oh, God, that sounds like so hard or why would you want to do that? Or you're like, okay, like do maybe you I really just- need to take that on. Should you really be putting yourself out there? Right, exactly. Yeah, I have to put it, like I, when I wrote a book with four, my first book, I've written five now, but... And I had four young kids who were like, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Like, why would you try and write a book when you've got four young children? And it just was something I felt called cool to do. It added a, it added another element and dimension to my life, as did my, my coaching work. And fortunately, I was in a position where I didn't need to financially be trying to earn a lot of money. Um, and so, but it was just like, because I just it makes my life more interesting, more rewarding. And as much as I love being a mother and my children are 
extremely important to me. I'm a better mom because I'm out there also pursuing aspirations that don't involve my children. Um, and now that my kids are older, I'm like so glad that I've done that. Yeah, I totally agree. And it, it's interesting. I, I find that about myself too, that every time, like like meeting you, you know, now I've, I've met you and I, I feel great. You know, we're having this wonderful conversation. I always think to myself, that makes me a better mom, a better wife, a better business leader. It makes me a better everything because you just made me think of some things that maybe I hadn't thought of before. You inspired me to do something or or now I'm going to, I've already read You Got This, but I, I have to read all the books. And you know, like you've changed me based on this conversation. And we all have that ability. We all can inspire each other just in even a simple conversation. So we want to encourage everyone out there that, yes, we're, we're speaking about being brave. We're speaking about having courage. But even just having a conversation with someone you haven't before or reading a book that maybe you haven't thought about taking the time. Oh, I'm too busy. I can't. Well, actually, you can. And by doing that, you're opening yourself up and it will create a ripple. There's always a ripple to everything we do, and that's wonderful. So I actually want to know, how do we get, okay, so I have all these, uh, you know, I have a wide, diverse group of ladies, right? You've got the ladies that are kind of outspoken, and they're, they're there, and they're leading the charge, and that's awesome. But then you have the quiet observers, I'll call them. I'll call them the quiet observers. They want to make a change. They want to be brave or have courage. But yet, you know, they're, that's why I was asking a question about do they have to be in the right frame of mind? How do we help the observers to that really, they know they want to do it, but maybe it's just not time. Is there a way to encourage them to kind of lean into it at this moment? Yeah. Or does it take they have to do it on their own timetable. Look, I mean, obviously, if we're waiting for the perfect time and the perfect conditions to start out, we can be waiting our whole lives, right? So, I think, I think, I think, waiting for perfect timing. There's obviously a balance to be that we need to strike there. But I, I look at it, courage and act as, as a muscle, and the more we practice it, the stronger it gets. And no one sets out and climbs Mount Everest and having, you know, not walked around the block for the last two years. And no one, you know, decides to take their business, you know, global when they, you know, haven't actually <laughs> done more than sell it, sell a few widgets. Mm -hmm. So I think it's about starting small, really starting small and encouraging people to do one little thing. Okay. It's a little bit uncomfortable for them, just even a little bit. It might be just reach out to someone and ask someone that they'd like to spend time with if they're up, if they'd be available to have a coffee. It might be um, writing a, a woman I had approached me about this a while back, and she's like, oh, "I'd really love to be a writer. I'd love to write a book." I'm like, "What have you written?" She said, "Nothing." I'm like, "Well, why don't you write just a post, like write a LinkedIn yeah. post, or write something, write a blog post? You yeah. know, just." Do something, start somewhere, even if it's small. Risk the rejection. You know, maybe you want to expand your business, but you, you're afraid that you're not going to be just, why don't you just risk one rejection a day for the next five days? Just reach out to someone. And so 
fear, if we think about fear as an energy, and often it can, and we don't even recognize how much it's running our lives. But every time we take an action in the presence of the fear, we dilute the power of fear and we grow our own. And most of the time, we realize that actually those worst case things that I was imagining don't happen. But what if this happens? And like, you know what? It didn't happen. The ground did not open up and you did not fall to your death. Um, You know, that person didn't laugh at you when you shared your idea. Um, And so I know when my first book, Find Your Courage, was coming out, uh, before it came out, I, I remember waking up in the middle of the night with me, my image on the front page of the New York Times with a big byline <laughs> that just said world's worst author, which, let's face it, Laura, would have been brilliant. <laughs> I was going to say, I bet everybody would go out and read it. <laughs> yeah, it would have been great. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> but, but our minds often go to these worst case scenarios. Well, if I reach out and they just say, hey, you're worth nothing. I don't want to have coffee with you. Why would I want to do that with someone as insignificant as you? I'm like, that's not going to happen. No. You know, like these things are often the thing we scare ourselves into inaction. So I would just say to just encourage them to do something small and to share with you. I mean, often there's a great to have accountability groups. I and when that. I've done that and people have said, you know, I went and said to my boss, I want to have a conversation with you about potential opportunities for promotion. And they were so scared their boss would go, oh, seriously, why would you, you? think you go anywhere? And their boss is like, fantastic idea. I totally see potential in you. Let's talk about how we can get you into a management role. And people are like, oh, my God, I wasn't going to do that because I didn't think that I would get, I was so scared. And then I did the thing that was scared, I was scared to do. And actually a whole world opened up. So courage breeds courage. I love it. We need to start small. I would just encourage them to do one little thing and just say, can I just hold you to account on one thing you're going to do? And then, you know, just a little bit of accountability can go a long way. We have to take them to the gym, right? We're going to make that muscle, that courage muscle grow and get stronger. That's what we need to do. We need to do a courage workout. That's what yeah. we need to have. Oh, I love it. I, I think that's excellent advice. I, I, you know, kind of have already, again, ideas well, in my I, brain. I, sh- <laughs> I should just mention here, when I wrote my book, Brave, which is 50 different acts of being courageous, um, I actually created a 10-day Train the Brave Challenge. So if anyone wants to do it, needs that encouragement, I encourage them to go to trainthebrave.com and just sign up for that Train the Brave Challenge because it's based on this exact premise. I love it. And I actually, that's going to be my question before we can tell people where to find you and and get all this information. Because you have so many books, (laughs) which is awesome, congratulations, can you actually name them and kind of just give an overview of like what, you know, why would some, who should be reading this? Of course, we encourage them to read all of them, but just a little overview because I want them to really say, oh, that, um, I need that right now. So kind of go through them. Okay. So my first book, Find Your Courage, was at the time of writing it, I thought I might never write another book. Um, And that would be my 101 self-help. And I think it's particularly relevant for someone who is very disempowered and is really just, has never done any personal development. I would say start with Find Your Courage. Stop Playing Safe is my second book, and that book's definitely much more focused on workplace, career, business leadership, um, really looks at how we can be more effective in our professional lives. And I, a lot of the work I do with corporations in leadership development and building cultures that bring out the best in people 
stop playing safe is much more about that, how to help people take more calculated and effective risks and decisions. Um, so definitely a strong career lens on that one. My third book is one that I think is just a perennial book that anyone can have any time and, and um, it's called Brave and it's 50 Everyday Acts of Courage. And it's just every chapter is a short read. Um, every chapter offers an opportunity to train the brave, like this is a way to say no, to set a boundary, to um, to allow yourself to feel sad, to speak up and have a tough conversation, to give feedback, to, to re- take criticism better, lots of different things. So I think Brave is just a great all-round book for anybody, anytime. Um, my fourth book, Make Your Mark, is a seven-step guidebook where people write their answers into it. Oh. And it's for people who are at a crossroads and they're not sure where to next. They just know that the path they're on isn't the path they want to stay on mm-hmm. and they really want to live a purposeful life that, where they make their mark, they make their unique mark in the world. Um, and I take people through a whole series of exercises. There's charts and graphs and lots of questions with spaces to write it in. And it's, um, it's a really good book for someone who wants to reset their compass on the boldest vision for their life. Great. Um, uh, but they absolutely have to read it with a pen in their hand. And my most recent book, You've Got This, I think is so relevant to these times. It is a book on just helping people trust themselves more and doubt themselves less. I think it's also a book that anyone can benefit from anytime, but particularly people who are dealing with self-doubt and their self-doubt is they just are feeling stifled and hampered um, and they're going, have I got this? I don't know that I've got this. They're dealing with changes. They're dealing with uncertainty or maybe they want to make a big change and they're like, I don't know if I've got what it takes. And it was really built off based on so much of my experience working with people where I've said to them, you've totally got this. You've got this. Go for it. You, you can handle it. You can do it. Um, and so, and it's also the book I wanted to read myself because I've dealt with a lot of change and disruption in the last few years. And I'm like, I've got this. I, I need can, this happens, book. <laughs> whatever happens, I can handle it. So I certainly think you've got this. I mean, obviously it's my most recent, so I'm going to plug it. But I, I believe as well, I had no idea it would be coming out in the midst of a pandemic. If ever there was a book that I think a lot of people would benefit from in the midst of these uncertain times, it's, it's you've got this. I love it. I love it. All of those sound wonderful. And that's why I wanted you to kind of explain each one, because depending on where you are in your life and in your career, um, of course, you got this. I did read it. I love the book. It was very, very good. So I highly recommend it um, to everyone out there. Okay, so I have to end with what you said in the beginning, when you spoke about, you thought to yourself, although you had four children under the age of seven, You didn't want to think to yourself that when you were on your deathbed and it was that question of, well, I wish I had done that. I want everybody to think about that. And of course, we have learned so much in the year 2020 as we all, all of our lives have changed and been uprooted, but we certainly want everyone to have the confidence, eliminate the self-doubt and know that you got this. So please tell us how everyone can find you, follow you, all that good stuff. Yeah, I would love to connect with people, um, certainly because 
um, I just really love to amplify my own impact and influence in the world. So I am on all the social medias. Well, not all of them. I'm, I'm not on. I'm not on Snapchat, but I'm on Instagram, <laughs> LinkedIn. My kids are, which they're happy for me not to be there. And um, Facebook and uh, yeah, and LinkedIn, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, so I'd love people to connect with me there. I also invite you to head to my website, um, margiewarrell.com, um, and sign up for my Live Bravely newsletter. Um, on iTunes and Spotify, I have my Live Brave podcast, and I invite you to check out and, and subscribe to my Live Brave podcast. Um, and, yes, and I'm hoping that in the year 2021, fingers crossed, I can put on one of my Live Brave Women's Weekends again here and in the United States as I and. Um, bring women together to just encourage each other and think bigger about the boldest vision for their lives and step into action, make a plan to make that happen. Awesome. Well, we will certainly be connected to you and keep following you. And yes, 2021, we'll we'll definitely look forward to that. (laughs) Thank you so much for being on. You've been wonderful. We've learned so much and we wish you all the best to you. you always. Thank you. All right. You take care. God bless. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Positively Charged Biz. I'm Laura Brandeo, and we are here to motivate, inspire, and support our listeners as they write their life stories. If you have an inspiring story, please email me at laura at positivelycharged.biz. And remember to subscribe to hear more great guests. And connect to us on Facebook at Positively Charged and Instagram at Positively Charged Podcast. Until next time, we wish you a positive day.